Ladies and gentlemen, good soldiers follow orders. For this is a Fred the Alien Productions podcast. Good soldiers follow orders. <sighs> Very loyal to the Empire. Very loyal. Cue the music. I don't know what we're yelling about. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it some style? Who is this? What's your operating number? Morning conversation anyway. Hello there. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> I'm a Kendall Richardson. I'm Ophelia Kantaramajir. And I'm a rehydrated Michael Lister. Yes, and you are now experiencing a podcast called Fred. Yes, experiencing it for the first time this year with a Fulia. Yay, Fulia's back, everyone. Yay. (laughs) Or should I say tennis clap, tennis clap. Yes, tennis clap. (laughs) Yes, uh, 40 love. Um, Fulia, (laughs) welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. Let's 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 kick it off um, yeah. with uh, your weekly watchings. What highlights do you have from I don't know the last month? Oh, <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> or what have you been doing uh, since last year? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I have been working quite a bit. So, <laughs> um, I but I, it doesn't mean that I didn't get a chance to watch things. I have watched stuff. Uh, so I will just list off a few of the things that I have watched. Uh, so, uh, I ended the year off with, um, Shooting Stars, uh, a Korean rom-com that's on Netflix. <laughs> Love it. Stars. Love it. It's really good. Um, and I also watched Glass Onion with Kendall. Yeah, you did. Ooh. It was really good. I loved it so much. I can't <laughs> wait for more. I think it was dumb. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> I'm quoting. <laughs> it's so Look, dumb that it's genius. Dumb. No, it's just dumb. Dumb, yeah. <laughs> Good shit. I need to do a, I need to do multiple rewatches of that movie because mm. uh, I think it was like a few days, maybe the week later after I had watched it, my parents were watching it, and as I was walking through the living room, uh, I. It was at a particular scene before the breakdown happens in the second half uh, that I noticed a couple of things. Oh. Yeah, that I didn't pick up on the first time when I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to rewatch this. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because what they say in the second half actually happens in the first half. And I'm like, holy crap. I did not notice that because it's it's one of those you blink and you miss it type of things. Yeah. So <laughs> and that's what I really loved about it. And I definitely need to really watch it. I also want to go back and rewatch Knives Out, to be honest, because I absolutely loved it's a great movie. that movie as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, a few other things I watched. Uh, Emily in Paris Season 3 was released. Watch that. Very good show. It's on Netflix. Uh, I also watched Matilda the Musical. Ooh. which I really enjoyed. Um, my gosh, uh, Emma Thompson is brilliant <laughs> as the trunch ball. <laughs> hmm. 
and I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy some of the songs in the in the movie as well, uh, but at the same time, it's 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 a little bit more different to the one that we grew up on, the '90s one. Mm. Uh, so I'm like I'm in two minds about it. I still really I still really enjoyed it for what it was, uh, but yeah, uh, I I think. In my opinion, I prefer the the one that I watched originally. Uh, but no, this one was still just as like is pretty up there. Yeah. Um, and you can tell Emma Thompson just had a ball <laughs> being the trunch ball. <laughs> yeah. It was it was very entertaining to watch. Um, another thing I watched, I uh, got f- finished season two of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm really enjoying that show. It's really good, um, and now I'm halfway through the current seasons, which I now need to watch through season three and four, and I'll be up to date. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Yeah, it's a very good show. I wasn't expecting it to be the way it was, and just um, you know, just from the perspective of a female comedian in the fifties, like wow, hmm. it's it's actually really awesome. Mm. It's very good dramedy. Mm. It's very good dramedy. I uh, definitely recommend. And the last couple of things that I watched, uh, I watched the first episode of Breakpoint, which is a Netflix docu-series um, made by the people who made Formula One Drive to Survive. I was going to say, isn't it like the Drive to Survive, but tennis? Tennis, yeah. yeah essentially. <laughs> nice. But it's um, not as many episodes, and they don't, unlike Formula One, this one is only covering certain players. Oh. So it's not covering everybody throughout the whole like season. Mm-hmm. It's only certain players. And the first episode is about Nick Kyrgios, our own oh. Aussie tennis player. Okay. Yes. A very own yeah. bad boy. A very own bad yeah. boy of tennis. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they interview him. They interview people who work with him and other players that have played against him, have watched him play. Um, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting docu-series. I'm definitely going to go back and watch the rest of it. Um, and especially now they're kind of doing it similar to the way that the Formula One is doing it, where they bring out the previous year's um, stories, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so what we're watching now is the 2022 season of the, the Grand Slams. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I because I noticed that when I was working at the tennis, uh, I found out that Netflix was around, and I was like, "Why is Netflix at the tennis?" I had no idea they were filming, and I think they're doing the same thing. So they're doing a. I think they're doing a season two for that's, Breakpoint. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go. Well, the ins and outs of oh, tennis. Yeah. Like <laughs> Industry the Open is one of the big biggest tennis. Uh, competitions in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Not to mention that the Australian Open is the Grand Slam that opens the season for the year. It does. Uh, of all of the main big Grand Slams. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's um, really, really good series. If you're into tennis and you want to learn a little bit more about the players and stuff, definitely worth watch. Cool. Whoop. Ooh. And the last thing that I will say that I watched uh, is... Minions, The Rise of Gru, because I felt like watching something short, animated, and funny. And dumb. 
Yeah, and then. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, oh god, <laughs> we're not off to a good start. If that's what Fully's reaction is, oof, oof. I like this. Go on, Ma- Michael. You've seen this, yes? Yes. Okay. With children, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, How did you like th- the flashing colours and the shapes? <laughs> it was it was good. It was good, but I felt like. There was a, a lot going on, and there was some stuff in there that kind of made no sense. And at this, and not to mention, I think this is the one thing that I really saw that I wasn't sure about being a kids film. The violence in this film is a little bit more adulty than it was for a kids film. Uh, in what in what way is there blood or is no, there no, no. Like violent like, bone like, breaking? No, no, nothing like that specifically. Okay, just more so the the ways that people were being killed off. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit dark, was it? Just a little bit, just a little okay. bit. <laughs> uh, and especially because this is like a prequel to Gru being. You know, Gru. the the super villain yeah, that he is. Yeah, this is like teenage Gru, isn't it? No, it's like kid Gru. Oh, kid Gru. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. he was like ten, I think. Wow. It was like a ten-year-old Gru. I think it's set during the sixties. Yeah, yeah. I have vague it's memories of it. It's completely lost. Flower mind. power, afros, and all the all that jazz. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting because this is sort of the time where the minions were newly hired by Gru as a kid. <laughs> and that's why they call him Miniboss uh, at the time. And the the minions, even though that like even though in the in the first few films that we've when we were first introduced to them, they're still a bit stupid most times. Originally when Gru first hired them, they were very useless. <laughs> Like, more useless than what they are now. <laughs> right. Um, but it was still it was still fun to watch. I still enjoyed it. Uh, and that's an hour and a half of my life I won't get back. <laughs> so we do recommend it for, for people out there. It's good for kids. Yeah. But If you need a yeah. quick babysitter, there you go. Oh, <laughs> wow. I'm... That's so funny. It's not. It's not the greatest of the Despicable Me films. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I won't recommend it at work. All right. Cool. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just. It's mainly there because of the minions and because it's yeah. supposed to be about the minions more so than it is about Gru. Yeah, it's so. a minion minion movie. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what I've watched in the last few weeks. Uh, I've taken up the first like fifteen minutes. Hey, great, <laughs> love it. Thank now you. We, now there we can discuss what uh, minions taste like. I no bananas. Yeah, can banana. You feel, feel them like a banana. <laughs> Are they soft and pink on the inside? Oh. All right. I'm. I'm... <laughs> ah, lovely. 
Lovely. Uh, God, this is an adult show. Um, Michael. <laughs> Michael, what have you been watching the last week? Well, not that, apparently. Um, <laughs> but uh, going by what I was talking about last week, that I'm trying to uh, watch like new stuff. Uh, that's my New Year's resolution, if you want to call it that. But straight after... Uh, the previous show we were talking about um, Evil Dead. I sat down and watched the remake of uh, Evil. Well, remake slash continuation slash retelling of Evil Dead that came out in 2013. Oh, you actually watched it? I actually watched it. I actually sat down and watched it. Amazing. And I don't mind it. Okay. I mean, it's I'll not for it. me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I did. I did actually enjoy it, and all the sort of um, like. Uh, um, what do you call it? Disturbing horror sort of aspects of it, of like just mm. possession and that. And I can sort of see what they were trying to go for. And yeah, just the and the ending was absolutely was just fun. And <laughs> I was ho- hoping it for to be that insane by the middle of the um, movie, but it happened at the end. And it was like, oh, could have done more insane shit. <laughs> but hopefully. But hopefully, Dead, uh, Evil Dead Rising will, will uh, continuation of, of that bizarre, weird, strange horror, blood and gore. Mm, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I watched that. So I, nice. do, I do recommend that for everyone who who enjoys uh, like the Sam Raimi-ish stuff, but not done by Sam Raimi. But it's a good, it's a good little it's a good little appetizer for for what. Evil Dead is there to be. And mm. yeah, I really enjoy that. Uh, also, uh, we're going to Disney Plus um, and talking about Hulu. Um, Koala Man got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me, should I watch this? <laughs> I think you should. It's, okay. it's a lot of fun. And okay. <laughs> I mean, Michael Cusack, if you don't know, is that done like um a lot of bizarre sort of very ultra violent sort, sort of stuff stuff that he's done, done with it uh with like the yolo series and all that this one's sort of more turned uh turned down um koala man used uh he did a couple of episodes for the bb uh, for the abc like not too long ago and i haven't seen them so i'm not sure if that's roughly the same or not but um, just watching it, it's, it was just a bit fun and very funny, and it definitely and it has a lot of Australian uh, cultural uh, lore in it as well, like bizarre stuff, like very heightened sort of stuff. Like like in the first uh, episode, uh, well in the se- second episode, um, Koala Man is sort of uh, taking on like the tradies, and. <laughs> And these tra- tradies are like like uh, an evil. It's sort of like an evil organization. It's sort of like the it's sort of like the um uh oh uh, uh the just uh, the like um Hydra. Justice, well, sort of like Hydra, but it's sort of like the Justice of Doom. It's like these. It's like you got bricky. the Legion of Doom. Yeah, Legion of Doom. It's sort of like you got Bricky, and you got got and you got um and you got Sparky, and and you got. Uh, girl with girl with road sign and that sort of thing and he has to ba- <laughs> battle them and it, and yeah it's just a lot of fun and they 
and I, I think any Australian would actually enjoy this. And you, mm. you can see it actually is catered for like an American audience because they do explain a lot of a lot of stuff that Australians know. <laughs> so, <laughs> like they they make reference to um, the Emu War in one episode. <laughs> oh no. That came up at trivia last week. When what like what decade or what year it happened, and yeah, I couldn't remember. So sorry, Phil, if you're watching. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 1950s, uh, something like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, so they do do make re- reference to that, and That's it funny. is like an over. There is an over uh, arching sort of narrative as well. Uh, uh, he's he has a um uh, an evil villain. Uh, in the scene, uh, behind the scenes of uh, of the kookaburra, and we get to find out who the kookaburra is by the end, and he, <laughs> and just it's absolutely nuts. I th- I do recommend um, it for everyone like here. Okay. Was the uh, was the kookaburra Mephisto? <laughs> no, it was it, it was more like uh, the 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 puppet master behind the strings. Yes, sort, yes, sort yes. Of thing, so. <laughs> So uh, de- definitely, definitely enjoy, enjoyed that. And nice. Okay. Hopefully nice. Okay. there's going to be a second series. Might, might give it a look then. Yeah. Mm, I might have to stream this in my Discord with my North American audience. <laughs> yeah, I think they would enjoy it. Like there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of Australianisms as well. Like in the first okay. episode that there's like yep. uh, uh, Koala Man is the, is, is the only one in the town that knows when the bins need to be taken out. <laughs> <laughs> And not to spoil it, but but um, there was actually one night that he do- doesn't do it, and the whole town, and the whole town, and n- there was no bin collection because there's no bins on the on the side of the road. <laughs> so it's sort of like that because they all depend on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of that sort of humor, and I, okay. I really enjoy it. And a lot okay. of um, favorite people in this as well, like. You got Demi Lardner as a voice. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah. So a lot of local talent, talent as well. That's good. Uh, and Michelle Brazier as well. And, oh, nice! And and you also have um, Hugh Jackman for some reason. <laughs> yes, I saw and, that. And Hugo Weaving. Oh, nice! Uh, as I, I can't remember which character he is, but I, I can't. But he is in there. And hmm. um, oh, who else? Uh, Jermaine. Uh, Clarence from Jermaine Clement, uh, Clement from yeah. from Flyer to Concords as well. Mm-hmm. So so there's a lot of like big named stars in it as well, and and of course it's um, uh, headed by uh, Justin Roiland's uh, uh, team. So of course Justin Roiland is in it as well as an American. <laughs> of course, yeah, because because there's a little uh, story behind uh, what happens to America in this sort of weird um. universe <laughs> so i so i would definitely recommend that uh okay. something that i have seen that i do not recommend if we're going by oh um, ad, sort of adult in, in aimed uh animation comedy uh well i say comedy i watched velma that okay came out yeah and it is terrible oh really it is absolutely terrible oh wow <laughs> oh no yes not oh, funny <laughs> not, not funny at all i mean it's cringy and it's like if you like that cringe but it's absolutely terrible and i do not recommend anyone to watch it wow i mean i Yikes. get i mean i do like my scooby-doo 
and I, I do like I, I did find it interesting for the sort of take it was going for like a sort of adult more like Scooby-Doo but with like uh, like murder and all that and I sort of t- take it on that and yeah it's uh, I'm guessing Kendall you're looking up some reviews on that <laughs> I just saw the Rotten Tomatoes scores so just if I can read them out um the critics were nicer than the audience on this one. Uh, it's still rotten, though, 53%. The audience score is only 7%. Oof. Rough. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it is sort of a reviewed bond because you have that sort of set of audience on the internet going, you can't, you can't racially change these characters. It's like, yeah, there is that. But the characters are very they're they're just horrible people and it's not fun to watch like velma like it all take it's set uh with velma and her sort of uh it's sort of like the up and coming of the mystery team and just the characters are awful you do not sympathize with any of them maybe shaggy but he's such a character that's in the in the background you don't really take much notice of him mm. there's a there's a weird i mean in the second episode i don't know why i watched the second episode i was like oh hopefully it'll get better no <laughs> and in this it's they try to do like a fan service sort of thing it's like oh we all know that velma and daphne are probably secret lesbians they do do that but it's unwarranted like at all so it's like shoehorning stuff in yeah yeah okay it, it's the I can't remember the number, but it's uh, movie forty-seven. Oh, movie forty-three, my least favorite movie of all time. Yes, it's that. Oh, oh, I'm net. Mm. All right, Scooby Doo. <laughs> Scooby Doo has been around for almost sixty years. We know these characters, and they've made them unlikable, and it's not fun to watch. Oh my god. Um, okay, well, thank you for taking one for the team, Michael. Um, <laughs> mm. I was actually, I was, I was on the binge because I'm setting up to watch uh, the Last of Us, like when when we're about to see it, see it uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. But uh. but I watched it. I like, oh, give this a go. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So. Good times. Yeah, it's it's it bad taste in my mouth. So watch uh, Koala uh, Koala Man. Okay, Koala Do Man. Instead. Don't watch Velma. All right, yeah. you heard it here first. Yeah, don't watch. <sighs> um, the the critics' consensus for Velma and Rotten Tomatoes was also a little nicer than what you just said, Michael. But I kind of liked it, so I'm going to read it anyway. It, they said, uh, "Jinkies." This radical reworking of the beloved mystery team has plenty of attitude and style but it doesn't have the first clue for how to turn its clever subversion into engaging fun. Yeah. yeah sounds about right. That's so disappointing. It was Everyone lost their shit when that trailer came out. And turns out it needs to be burned to a crisp. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> I had high hopes. Yeah, that sucks, man. I was like, oh, this will be interesting, like an R-rated sort of like mystery, uh, mystery ink version of it you know subversion and all that i mean sort of thing like the wednesday sort of stuff would actually cater for because 
I don't when when you think of Adam's family, you don't think mystery, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, mm. and yeah, so trash. Put it in the bin. Put it in the bin. <laughs> All right, stick it in the bin. Stick it on your bench. That's right. Wait yeah. five years, and there will be a new rendition. And also, Frank Walker's uh, wanker. <laughs> Welker. Welker is in it as well is as he, as Fred's he... dad. Oh, okay. So yeah, this sort of tone is like it's no, 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 no. See, this this is what I'm afraid the Super Mario Brothers movie will be. <laughs> nah, I hardly doubt it. I okay. mean, I don't think so. Okay. Nintendo is very le- leaning on them <laughs> to make it yep. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully they don't lean WB on. Don't, WB was... don't know shit. I was gonna say I hope they don't lean on like fucking Warner Brothers do with all their. DC stuff anyway. That's about to change. No, Nintendo's just keeping a very close eye on them. That's all. Yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah. Keep Nintendo happy. Yes. Yeah. They're very protective of their IP. Exactly. But yes, they seem to be. Which is yeah. good. Even people streaming their games. <laughs> <laughs> Remember then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll take 50% of your revenue. That uh, doesn't happen now. <laughs> mm-mm. Because I'd be poor. <laughs> yeah. Just like just like uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast sort of got their ass beat this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the D&D. Anyway, Kendall, what have you been doing? <laughs> yes, hello. Um, so uh, this week I've watched a bunch of stuff. Um, I... I'm going to start... I'm going to... Well, I'm going to do them in chronological order, but I'm going to start with... Um, so... Mike, you did just mention The Last of Us is about to start. Um, mm-hmm. First episode drops tomorrow. Now, uh, a couple of my good friends um, said to me a while back that they were, you know, still quite disappointed I'd never played the game. Because um, ah. I've had the game sitting on my shelf for probably five years and not touched it. Um, oh, well, that's your excuse. My that's... excuse is I don't have a PlayStation or the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that also works. Um, but it's me and I, you know, I, I'd rather you know, watch movies and TV and, and do writing than, than game. Um, cause it's less frustrating. <laughs> so, but, um, one of my, one of those friends, uh, actually stepped in and was like, no, 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 I am not having you watch this show before. <laughs> like, you know, you have to play the game first. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to play it. Let's find a playthrough we can watch on YouTube. So <laughs> 10 hours later. Yeah, <laughs> well, we hadn't fin- we haven't finished it. Um, so mm. we started watching. There's an I think it's an eleven hour, 10, 10 or eleven hour playthrough that's up on YouTube. It's oh yeah, it's ten hours. It's got eleven million views. That's why I'm getting the numbers confused. Um, we watched the first three and a half hours, and I can't wait for this show. Holy f- holy crap! <laughs> this game is amazing. The story mm. is so good, and. Mm. Yeah, and I was, I, I guessed what, because I look, it's been out for nearly 10 years, so I I hadn't had it spoiled for me, thankfully, but I kind of put it together that uh, what happens and, like, as everyone goes on about how sad shit is in the first, like, five, ten minutes, it's like the opening of Up, and I was like, okay, all right, I guessed who the, per- like, someone dies, I guessed who it was, um, and it, I still cried, even though I knew um, kind of going in. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really cool game. Fantastic world building within it and just like a really 
a really f- kind of scary, scarily realistic take on the zombie sort of trope. Um, so yeah, and just yeah, I so I can't I can't wait. I can't really say much much more than that. But yeah, um, yeah, I can't wait to watch this show. It's going to be f- fucking phenomenal. And the reviews are already coming in, and uh, they're they're good. So um, bring it. Um, I've been to the cinema a couple of times this week. The first time was on Friday night. Went to IMAX and experienced in 3D Avatar: The Way of Water. Um, that was a very good decision seeing it in 3D because, like, it you would it, it's it was the good kind of 3D when like not when shit's been thrown at your face. It was like the you're in the scene with them, like you're in the world. Like you can it, the depth perception lets you kind of you know, feel like you're on Pandora. And that was really, really cool for a movie that's as visually stunning as that one is. Um, I, it definitely didn't need to be three hours. Um, I'm not mad at it for being three hours cause I was never bored or anything. I, um, like it was, it was a, it was a good movie. It was fine. Like, you know, I was a bit annoyed that they didn't really, well, they sort of explained why, I mean, spoilers, the sky people come back. Of course they do. Um, but like the way they kind of went about it, apart from ex- not explaining it really properly, uh, or going into any depth with it, they, you know, I just, the twit, the, the spin on it this time around that they did with certain characters, I thought was really fascinating. Um, yeah. So the, the story was good. It wasn't like the best thing, but it was, it was good. It was fine. And there were some heartbreaking moments and some really cool action sequences that went on forever. And, James Cameron has such a hard on for Titanic. He had to revisit shit <laughs> to do with Titanic. <laughs> and now he's like, "Hey guys, go to the movies and watch Titanic again." And it's 25th anniversary. In 4K. In 4K. <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, Avatar was really really good. I I liked it a lot and it is very impressive. Very impressive. Like there were scenes where I'm watching the visuals and just like especially the underwater scenes, and I was just I couldn't wipe a smile off my face. It was like, oh, this is this is this is nice. <laughs> this is very nice. So so here here is your your hang on, I actually have one here. Let's just do this. Here yeah, is your but... here is your Oscar for visual effects, James Cameron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the sure the one sure bet of the Oscars, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, go check out Avatar if you haven't already. Uh, last night though. I stayed home because it was really hot, and I watched Matilda the Musical. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I literally had an epiphany yesterday. I'm like, oh, I haven't watched that yet. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Um, yeah. So finally, finally watched it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I I I really liked it. It was hard because I've seen the Danny DeVito one so many times like I've seen it like 10 10 to 20 times like I loved that movie when I was a kid um and so it was hard to kind of shake the images from that from my mind however this is a different telling of the source material I'm not sure if it's I haven't read the book since I was a kid either so I don't actually remember if this version is actually more accurate to the book or not um but that aside um it's it's a wonderful interpretation i think i really liked it i loved the the color palette of everything how like just 
you know, how bright and wonderful the hospital is at the, at the start is just very like, kind of like, oh, wow, okay. Um, and then, you know, when we get to Cronstrom Hall, things obviously change quite a bit. Um, so there's a nice contrast. The, like the Wormwood House is, is, is just even more exaggerated and crazy um, in this, this version, and I like that a lot as well. And yeah, the songs are killer. Like Tim mentioned, I mean, you know, what can you say? He's, he's one of our best um, to ever do it. And uh, yeah, I, I liked a lot of the songs, mostly the lyrics. The way they use lyrics, the way he uses words to kind of tell, tell the story through the song and just the, the way things are rhymed and where things are, where words are placed that just fit together really nicely. Um, someone is a literature major that just, I, yes, very, ha- <laughs> very happy, especially the, the song with the, at the start when they're going in the school and the prefects are singing about the alphabet. Um, yeah. they do, yeah. they do one run and then they do another run and you go, Oh shit. They were singing. They're actually singing about the alphabet. I was like, that's fucking cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I really liked that. Uh, yeah. So no, it was, it was good. And yeah, of course, Emma Thompson, I mean, oh man, what? I'm, she was so good. I've forgotten the original actress's name from the nineties one. And she was in bloody Harry Potter too. Why have I, Michael, help me out. You know her name. Uh, no, I don't. No, all right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Art Marge. There you go. Yeah, Aunt Marge from Harry Potter. Oh, God, I'm looking it up because she was also in Rosemary and Time. Oh, Pam Ferris. Jesus, my brain is just not working anymore. Pam Ferris. She's, like, she was fantastic as the Trunchbull. And I was, I remember being very, like, I don't know if Emma Thompson is going to be able to pull it off. But, I yeah, she crushed it. Like, I mean, I don't know why I was worried because um, <laughs> she was she was fantastic. I really, really liked uh, her and the songs that she got. That that moment where I know I'm kind of ruining shit for Matilda, but it's whatever. It's been out for a month. Um, <laughs> the moment where like she's singing and then she goes into this imaginal world without kids and then all of a sudden she's on a swing in this white dress with her hair out oh to here. Oh my god! I lost it. I lost it. Oh. <laughs> so good so good yeah um no it was it was a really good film um i just i don't want to say i like the 95 one more than this because i can kind of see that they're two different takes yeah i think like it's it's sort of apples and oranges a little bit so i'm just kind of like i'm not going to compare them too much or say one one is better than the other because they're both very good i think um and yeah I've, i've had revolting children stuck in my head for the last 24 hours so that's that's good that's a good song <laughs> mm. um all right and lastly um i literally got back from the movies just before we started doing this um and i went and saw the banshees of inner sharon ah. yes um and uh yeah fantastic uh really really good movie i'm gonna have to maybe rethink my one of my top 10 lists for 2022 now um after watching it it was fantastic yeah very funny like just like they're not trying to be funny they just are like it's just it's irish it's just irish yeah it's just (laughs) irish there's lots of lots of feckin going on um i I just love the way they talk um irish girls drink like mrs brown's boys it's literally yeah it's very similar kind of way of speaking um, yeah, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, I mean, just poor performances of, of their career, uh, 
you know, insert maybe some mid people might say, I don't know, but like <laughs> they were, they were just phenomenal. Like this is one of the best, well, it's definitely one of the best I've seen Colin Farrell do. So, um, that and killing the sacred deer is also really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was good. It was just, yeah, I can't, I can't really find a word right now to accurately describe what it is really, but it's, it's just, it's, it's Irish. Michael said it's <laughs> Irish. It's just very Irish and it's very wonderful. So yeah, highly recommend people watch that movie. Um, okay. Well, speaking of things I highly recommend, this podcast, let's get into it. Um, <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> let's get into it. 40 minutes in, this is going to be a big episode. All right. It's time for the nerdy news. This is the news in nerdy news. The nerds that talk about the nerdy news. That is us who talk about the news that is nerdy. And now the queen of nerdydom. The hostess with most S. Kendall Richardson. Take it away, Kendall. Yes, it's time to take it away. And <clears throat> my, my least favorite things to do is be sad. Uh, and we have to be sad for a moment. Um, because um, just I'm just kind of still really shocked by this but um lisa marie presley passed away on friday at the age of 54 um i when i found out about it at work i had to go out the back and sit down because i was just it just didn't make sense to me because i wednesday was the golden globes and i of course was watching it um what else would i be doing and yeah and she was in the crowd she was you know cheering on Austin Butler next to her mum and two days later she's gone and it's like I die life life is cruel um yeah so too young much too young um much too young but um yeah Elvis's only daughter so Elvis and Priscilla um had had Lisa Marie um in 1968 and yeah she was the only child of Elvis Presley the king of rock and roll um Lisa Marie also had her own music career in the noughties and the tens. Um, she put out three albums, uh, kind of, I haven't listened to all of them, but what I, the bits and pieces I have heard, it's kind of a, <clears throat> like her first album was very, I think sort of pop rockish. And then she, I think she kind of went into a more like either a bluesy or a blues country fusion rock sort of a vibe later in her career. Um, and they were received pretty well. Um, so yeah, she had a really wonderful voice that definitely called her father to mind. That's for sure. Um, and of course I would be remiss if I didn't mention her brief marriage to Michael Jackson. Um, they married in 1995, sorry, 1994, forgive me. Oh, sorry. I'm getting emotional. Um, yeah, they married in 1994, um, and were together for, uh, almost two years, uh, Lisa filed for divorce in 1996, but they remained friends. Um, and yeah, I remember her speaking about him when he died and, um, yeah, how sad that was. So yeah, I kind of have always sort of seen Lisa as one of the great loves of Michael Jackson's life. Cause I, the way he talked about her and the way everyone, you know, a lot of the media portrayed them as, as the, the marriage was a sham and it was a publicity thing and all of this crap. But everyone that kn- knew them as people has only ever said it was real. And 
Like if you want to, if you want to see just how fantastic they were together, watch the um, watch the 1995 Dance, uh, Diane Sawyer interview they did when Michael was promoting the History album. Um, she just goes for the jugular Diane Sawyer and asks all these inappropriate questions and like people are asking them if they actually have sex. Like that's how bad American media is. They're like, do you guys do it? And I was just like, you fucking kidding me. Um, and the way Lisa reacts to that is just gold and I, I I've, I've seen that interview like a million times it's so funny um but yeah she was a yeah she was a wonderful person and um this is just very sad and tragic and my heart goes out to Priscilla um especially because you know she's lost her husband and now she's lost her daughter and she lost her grandson only two years ago to suicide so it's just yeah endless tragedy for the Presley family and they don't deserve it so yeah um very, very upsetting. Very upsetting. So, yeah, she will be most definitely missed and very fondly remembered by a lot of people. Um, Fulia, um, do you have any thoughts uh, or things to share about uh, Lisa Marie Presley? Like, how, how aware of her were you? Uh, honestly, I only knew about her being, um, obviously, the daughter of Elvis and married to Michael Jackson and I think that's as far as my knowledge goes in terms of uh, her life and all that sort of stuff because she wasn't really um, put, put forward in the media as much um, unless something was going on in with her relationships uh, so yeah and unfortunately I really don't know too much about her personally but uh, yeah it is it is a, quite a shock to find out that she's passed away before her own mother. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The, my, my heart goes out to, to her, to Priscilla and and, and the family. It's, it is very tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, Michael, what about yourself? Yeah, it's such a shame that, um, yeah, her, her and her family sort of um, uh, became Providence uh, from last year, especially with the... Um, uh, the, the movie Elvis coming out, and also where I am, Bendigo, uh, having the sort of Elvis yeah. uh, museum um, pop up. And yeah, just uh, exploring Elvis's life. Uh, and of course, uh, she, she was part of it as well, well being the, the only child of, of the king and marrying the prince. and <laughs> Marrying the other king, thank you very much. I will correct it, you on that. I thought he was a prince of pop. King of pop. Okay. Elvis is the king of rock and roll, and MJ was the king of pop. Yeah, and Fr- and Freddie Mercury was the queen. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, su- such yeah, such bittersweet and, uh, and just out of the blue. It's yeah. Life is annoying, but we have to live it. Yeah. Re- rest rest in peace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Well said. All but, right. Hmm. On a happy note, George Pell died. Yeah, actually, yeah. I just want to talk about that for a second, only to say, um, speaking of Tim Minchin, the amount of people I saw share his song on their feet, you included, uh, was just a a complete joy. Um, And the fact that, like, you know, there's... There's a couple of Simpsons groups I follow on Facebook that every time a celebrity dies or every time, even even if one of the members of that group, they lose someone, um, someone will make a 
you know, face in the sky meme. And I, when I scrolled through and I saw that, it was literally, you know, Homer staring at the sky. And then at the bottom was Pell in hell. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just thought that was fantastic. So, yeah, good, good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah. Yes. Rest in piss. Rest in, yes. Child exactly. endangering piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we wanted him to be our Pope. Anyway, I'm not Catholic. I shouldn't give a shit. <laughs> what's this way? <laughs> yeah, what's this way? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Foley is like, move along, and I will do that right now. Um, <laughs> just to lift the mood. Just to lift the mood a bit. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes there are good deaths. Anyway, move- <laughs> moving into... Like Loki. Oh, no! <laughs> Back to nope. nerdy shit. No. I'm. St- it's been five years. I'm still not over it. Anyway. And five times. And five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad that I don't get to talk about Marvel now because I have to talk about DC, don't I? Um. So <laughs> we've got a brief little bit of DC news, uh, this week. Basically, um, just some further developments in terms of what the future is going to look like. Um. Now, James Gunn, Peter Safran have locked in their ten-year plan. It's done. They know exactly where they're going with it. Um, the only thing so far that they've confirmed is part of that plan really is um, this young Superman movie that we're getting. Now, of course, they're not the only people making DC content, right? So you also have Matt Reeves and then you have Todd Phillips doing his Joker thing. Now, we don't know exactly still what the go is with um, Joker um, and how it is, if it's connecting. I... My guess is it's staying way the fuck over there doing its musical stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically Matt Reeves and the two DCU boys are going to be having a meeting um, where they are going to nut out exactly, uh, you know, each of their plans with each other so they don't cross the streams. Mm. Um, so Matt Reeves uh, now has what apparently is the official title, uh, Batverse. Uh, is what they're calling it, um, and it's going to be completely separate from the DCU, which is the new title of the DC World of Movies. Um, so, yeah, so they're basically going to be having a meeting soon to just go, here's what I want to do, and here's what I want to do, and let's, like, not, you know, fuck this up. So they're actually taking the proper time to, you know, really go, okay, we have we have, pe- we have a lot of people interested in what both of us are doing, and we don't want to really stop the other from doing something so let's just figure this out together so i think that's admirable um and kind of positive given just the incredible shit show that was 2022 for dc and warner brothers uh, or lack thereof yeah. or yeah yeah so yeah so i'm i'm good to hear this news i'm happy with this i think this is this is a really good sign so um yeah and who knows when we'll see anything from the Batverse now because i mean Matt Reeves has said he's working on a script currently for Batman 2, but he, you know, there's also the Penguin show with Colin Farrell that is going to be starting filming this year, Um, so I don't know when that's coming out, maybe the end of this year or maybe next year, and then apparently the Gotham PD series that morphed into an Arkham series is actually now morphed back into a Gotham series, so we're going to get two. We're going to get Gotham PD and we're going to get Arkham as two shows. Um, So we're getting three shows and then Batman 2 in like probably three years so yeah who knows what else <laughs> is coming um michael uh 
that was a big info dump. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any concerns, or are you excited? Uh, probably excited. Uh, they're probably doing it um, uh, properly, of mm-hmm. saying, okay, uh, you settle with the uh, uh, Robert Batten Bat version of the Batman, and we'll have our own Batman, maybe. Uh, but And with that, you got Batman's Rogues Gallery. What was it going to happen with that? And of course, uh, they, they don't want to tread on each other's toes. So whatever Matt Reeves wants to do with the next villain, uh, what what can they do? And is that that's all right? Um, we'll do something else, and they'll probably focus a bit more on like the Superman side and the Flash side and and the Wonder Woman side of of the DC EU uh, more likely than than the Batterverse um, version of whatever they're doing. And, yeah, so they're probably doing it pro- properly. But, yeah. We are meant to be getting some information about what's happening with the DCU uh, at the end of this month. And hopefully during this year we'll probably get more of an idea of what they're going to do. I mean... I like the idea of doing like a, a fresh restart, but if it, it really depends on what the Flash is going to do, and if uh, yeah. the audience and how they perceive that movie, and also what's going to happen with Peacemaker, I still reckon probably just, just cut it out and just start from the start. But Peacemaker was that good? I know. I know. It literally was one of my favourite shows last year. Like, my goodness. Yeah. So, we'll just sit back, just wait. All we can do is speculate. Yes. I like the rhyming there. Well done. Yes. Wordsmith. Me. Wordsmith Lister. Michael (laughs) Smith. Michael Smithster. Smith. (laughs) Nice. All right. Um, Cool. Moving on, but keeping it in the Warner Brothers family, we got some Harry Potter-related news because we are mere weeks away, finally, from the launch of Hogwarts Legacy. Hmm. Um, And hopefully it does well because I think it's going to go off. Um, But something really, really cool uh, was announced uh, in terms of casting of uh, characters you can interact with in in the game. Uh, And... Simon Pegg is going to be voicing uh, Headmaster Black uh, in Hogwarts Legacy. Um, yes, so this is Sirius Black's great-great-grandfather. Um, yeah, no, his name is... Uh, Sirius Black. Siri- <laughs> Phineas Nigellus Black, that's his full name. Mm. Um, yes, so I'm just trying to see... Um, yeah, so he's mentioned in the books and he's in the films as like a portrait in um, Dumbledore's office. Um, so, and because Hogwarts Legacy is taking place, obviously, a long time before the events of the Harry Potter series. Um, I think it's like 50 years or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so we're, we're getting to actually look back and see what some of these characters were before, before Voldemort, maybe, I think even before Grindelwald, maybe. Um, mm. I'm not sure on in terms of the timeline. Um, but yeah, apparently, um, according to Simon Pegg, 
Um, he's there, his character's there to scupper the efforts of the player. Um, though he would much rather tend to his surgically manicured beard than carry out any actual school duties. So I don't think he's much of a headmaster. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, apparently, in Peg's own words, he's not noble, he's not brave, he's just a self-interested fool um, who's going to be a bit of a help and a hindrance to players as they move through the game. Um, so, yeah, this is a really welcome addition to the Hogwarts canon. Um, apparently, you, uh, Luke Youngblood, who was Lee Jordan, is also going to be in the, the game somewhere. Um, so that's also nice. But yeah, um, Simon Pegg for the win. Fulia. Um, are you, I mean, I, I'm sure you're happy about this announcement, but are you looking forward to the game? Are you going to, I'm sure you're playing it, right? Well, it's coming out on the 10th of February. Yes. And I have pre-ordered the deluxe edition. Amazing. Well, that answers <laughs> my question. Amazing. So yes, I will be playing this game on its release. Hell yes. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, the news of having some really amazing voice actors in the game, including Simon Pegg, um, that's just like a bonus. It's like a cherry on top of this amazing Sunday. So I am really excited to play Hogwarts Legacy, um, despite the controversies around the creator of the world. I'm going to put that aside. This is just a world that I would love to be a part of. Yes. We're se- uh, we, we separate art from artists. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just, this is probably, the, this is the closest that a lot of us Harry Potter fans are going to get to being able to be a wizard or a witch in any form. For sure. Or be, be able to go to Hogwarts. So... I am very excited. <laughs> Let's just say, <laughs> and then that's just putting it lightly. Um, yeah, the um, the fact that we're getting some really cool voice actors just makes it even better. And yeah, like it's going to be interesting to see these characters come to light. Um, see how they help you. Um, whether they do or not is another thing. And yeah, it's just. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. <laughs> nice. Yeah. May even... If it, it's, it's good as it looks, then it may even get me actually playing. Um, but don't hold your breath. <laughs> don't hold your breath, because you will... We see. will do our best. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Michael, um... I know you have complicated feelings with Harry Potter these days, but... Nah, I think I've set, uh, set in my ways of about set... what Harry Potter means to me now. Yes. Okay, well, I hope that's a good thing. Um, and I know you're a Simon Pegg fan, so how do you feel about this news? It's very interesting that this dropped uh, probably the same week where he, he sent out a, a viral clip of saying, just fuck Tories. And... <laughs> Great. It's such great. A, it's great. That's um so yeah, big fan of Simon Pegg and yeah, he's probably he probably did this voice like, like ages ago because this has been in pre production hell for, for a while. A long time. So now they're ramping up the production the the uh, promotion 
uh, for this particular game. Uh, and yeah, and probably just leave it at that before I say something a bit unsavory. <laughs> no, that's fine. We can I mean, move on. all four like uh, separate separate uh, author from artist. But yeah. I, I can't really do that anymore because set my ways, Harry Potter is basically taken from different mythologies and just putting in the real world. And we've seen that before. And I don't think it's going to last the test of time. So I give up. <laughs> okay. But I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. It's just my own personal opinion. And that is totally fine. That is totally fine. I respect you. Mm. Now let's talk about something else you don't give a shit about. Um. (laughs) (laughs) What's the run sheet? (laughs) Our last item for discussion in the news this week is the wrap-up of the Golden Globes. Um, I'm more savoury with that because there's there's a lot of good buzz behind this one. Good buzz behind Mm. this. Well, it was a great ceremony. Um, I watched the whole thing. It was like three and a half hours. Um, and yeah, it was one of the best, one of the best lots of acceptance speeches I've seen uh, for a long time. Um, and I should have, I should have removed my makeup before I started watching because literally the first award of the night went to Kihai Kwan and his speech brought the house down and I was, oh, bucketing tears. He's just, just, uh, the way he spoke was just, yeah, I highly recommend people watch his speech. Um, one of the highlights of the evening. And I I think I got, got up out of my seat on the couch. I think I cheered actively on my feet for him because, yeah, I've been a fan of his since I was a kid. So it was just really lovely. Um, but anyway, in terms of wrapping up the whole thing, um, da, 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 scrolling up my scrolling up my page um yeah i think all of the awards really were kind of like there was no clear there there is one movie sweeping every single category especially in the films like the fablemans did well i mean they got best director and um best picture uh drama um and Steven Spielberg made me cry, so that was that was fun. <laughs> um, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Everything Ever All at Once, um, also won a couple of notable awards. Michelle Yeoh winning was huge as well. For her to finally get her flowers was just lovely to see. Um, and then The White Lotus was one of the big winners in terms of TV. Uh, same with Abbott Elementary. Um, they won the most awards of the night with three. Um, I really need to watch that show. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it looks absolutely hysterical. Um, and as far as the nerd sort of side of things go, um, Diego Luna did not win um, for his performance as Cassian Andor, but he was nominated at least, so I'll take it. Um, he got beaten by Kevin Costner. Um, and then there was a really hilariously awkward uh, acceptance on his behalf moment um, that Regina Hall did, and bless her cotton socks. Uh, just, I'm not going to say what she said, but just look it up. It's fantastic. Um, Pinocchio won. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio won Best Animated Feature, because of oh, course... What? what? Not Robert Zemeckis? <laughs> not that one. <laughs> not that one. No, the good. Not Pinocchio. the Polly Shaw. Not the <laughs> not the Polly Shaw. But no, no, no love for no love for Polly Shaw. 
None for you, Glenn Coco. Um, <laughs> um, hey, yes. buddy. <laughs> yes, so Pinocchio, Pinocchio won, and it was absolutely wonderful to see. Uh, highly deserved. Um, House of the Dragon uh, was a bit of a surprise. Uh, actually took home Best Drama Series, beating out The Crown, Better Call Saul, Ozark, uh, and uh, Yellowstone, I think, was the other nominee for Best Drama Series. Um and yeah, that was a that was a real joy to see a fantasy show get up and take take the big gong home. Um, but the highlight for me in terms of nerdiness of the evening was the fact that Queen Ramonda herself, Angela Bassett, won the MCU's first ever acting Golden Globe. Um, just, just yes, just yes. Legitimacy, legitimacy, shut the fuck up, Martin Scorsese, shut the fuck up, James Cameron. These movies are legit, okay? Give them just, just, yeah, anyway, it just really rubs me the wrong way. Um, but I'm very glad uh, to see that she won, and, uh, I mean, she deserved it. I mean, not just because of, you know, the character she was playing, the movie she was in, but just the performance. I mean, you guys can attest to it, you know, just there's certain scenes in that film where she's just giving it everything. She's acting her heart out. I think that's kind of what we were talking about when we discussed Black Panther is just, she's literally just acting the room of its air, like just sucking it dry. Just beautiful, beautiful performance. So she's probably going to get an Oscar nomination now and I'm going to get really excited. So, um, but yeah, um, it was a good, it was a good time, Golden Globes. Very good time. And I should just mention, yes, Austin Butler also won for Elvis um, for his performance as the King of Rock and Roll. And um, he gave a lovely, lovely speech as well. Um, yeah. So many wonderful moments. So many wonderful moments. Oh, and Kate Blanchett brought the the Australian contingency to the front and, and she won Best Actress in a Drama Picture. So Fata. we love Fatah, which I can't wait to watch. It looks fucking insane um fabulous all right fulia now that yes. now that i've done rambling about the first award season award season show um do you have any comments any any thoughts from any of it uh look big congratulations to all of the winners uh and they're, they're all worthy of the of the awards um huge huge shout out and kudos to Angela Bassett like that is insane and amazing and she did such a wonderful job in Black Panther um she was a powerhouse in that sh- in that movie um i have never felt so much emotion in her performance than i had like than in any other film that i've seen especially in an MCU film wow yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so and and being the, that I've watched it twice, I still stand by the fact that that's it's probably the best Black Panther of the two, um, and yeah, and her performance is oh my gosh, it's just insanely good. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and Pinocchio winning the best animated feature, I am very happy about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely happy about that um you know it goes to show how much work goes into you know making uh, a stop motion film and there it's insane 
the amount of time it takes to actually make one of these. Yeah. Especially at feature length. Uh, so, you know, huge, huge hats off to, to Guillermo del Toro and the team behind that movie. Uh, they did a fabulous job and I am so happy that it won. Um, and yeah, I think they're the two main notable ones for me that, uh, that I'm very, very happy to see. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. Michael, do you have any, any comments on this? Not really. I like Eddie Murphy's speech. That was, that was great. I, the only thing, can I just say quickly, the only thing I hated was that it was too short because they usually give the um, the Cecil B. DeMille winners like their time to actually go fucking nuts and you know Jodie Foster's speech was like 10 minutes long but he spoke he only spoke for like two minutes um, so that kind of annoyed me but that was also because whoever the fuck was in charge of playing off the award winners with their speeches fucked up because they set the tone they gave the, the early speeches. They gave them too much time, um, and then someone's gone. Oh, you've 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 given them too much time. So now you have to start playing them off. So literally every speech after I think the third or fourth award, they all got played off. And that's why you have these speeches where fucking Michelle Yeoh's threatening to beat up <laughs> the person in charge of it uh, in a hilarious way, not seriously, of course. But she's making that joke, and like Colin Farrell told them to shut the fuck up or something to that. That it was. But it was so funny. But it pissed me off so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, by the time we got to Eddie Murphy's Cecil B. DeMille win, you know, honour, which is huge for him. Um, yeah, he only got like two minutes, but he was fucking hilarious. Michael, tell us about it. Yeah, it was funny. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep your wife's name out of my... <laughs> it was great. It was great. I... I Fulia, did you see it? Yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember the other two. I think the two, he had three rules. One of them I remember was mind your business. What was the first, the other, there was another one he had. And then the third one Keep was... Will Smith's wife's name. Name out of your, out fucking, of your fucking mouth. <laughs> oh, and that was another thing. This is broadcast on NBC in America. And the amount of fucks, the amount of fuckings, the amount of F-bombs that were dropped... Poetic cinema. Uh, it was, it was. I fucking loved it. Anyway, America's learning. <coughs> yeah, they're learning that fuck is just a word. Um, anyway. <laughs> no, it's just a fucking word. It's just a fucking word. Exactly. Oh my goodness. All right. Um, I guess we shall wrap up the nerdy news now. Cha. Cha. All right. Nerdy news done and dusted, which means it's now time to roll on up to the trailer park. Rolling up to the trailer park where we all park all the trailers. Yes, trailer park time. Now we can talk about some Marvel stuff because earlier this week we got our second trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, Brackets. Ant-Man's gonna die. Close brackets. Ah, no. (laughs) No, I don't want it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. He'll come back in, in Secret War. Well, look, see, okay, well, that ties into my criticism of this trailer. Um, it showed too much. 
Um, it showed... Oh, look, look, okay. I need to find my words correctly. Um, because in, we know in the past that certain trailers have misled or shown things that were cut from the movie or put in there to deceive uh, sort of thing. Um, I don't entirely get that vibe from this trailer, but I am very much happy to be proven wrong. Um, but it looks like a lot of what we saw in this was third act stuff. It didn't look like a lot of, you know, these are the fights we get before the big one sort of thing. Um, so, like, the whole, like, they basically show us, showing us that, like, the story of this film is obviously Kang sees Scott Lang as a means to an end and is going to use him and make a partnership make a deal and do something to, you know, benefit both of them. And then deal with the devil. Yeah. And then literally we show, they show us not only that in the trailer, which if they'd just done that alone, I would have been fine with it. But then they had to show Michelle Pfeiffer going, you can't trust him. Don't trust him. And then Scott Lang going, we had a deal. And the, the two of them fighting. And I'm just like, okay, okay. The MC- we just saw the movie. We, yeah, like the MCU trailers are usually much better than this. So, I I mean, it looks fantastic. I'm just, just putting that up on Front Street. I It looks fucking amazing, and I can't wait. But not the, not the best trailer. Not the, not the, <laughs> best, not the best trailer. Um, apart from that, you know, we got our first glimpse of MODOK, which was pretty sick. Um, and when I rewatched the trailer, there's actually a, a glimpse of him that I completely missed. Um, he's in the trailer twice. In the top you, um, corner. <clears throat> yeah. Like you literally, there's that scene when, when Scott and Cassie Lang are walking in with Kang, Modok is literally behind them. And I didn't even notice the first time. Um, and then we get obviously that shot of him kind of shrouded in darkness, shooting from the sky, looking all evil and shit. With um, his mask on. With his mask on. Um, speaking of masks, I really like how they are letting Kang be comic accurate and not at the same time by having, not making him blue, but having him, his mask, he has a visor shield thing that's blue, um, that makes him look blue. And I thought that was, I thought that was a really nice wink and a nod to the comics. Um, yes. Uh, is it safe to say that I, that I might think that Bill Murray is Modoc or is that a bit too far-fetched? Because <sighs> there was no Bill Murray in this trailer. We had one shot of Bill Murray in the first trailer. No. So do you think he's just some guy that's in the quantum realm? I think he's uh, a front for yeah. for Kang, maybe. For yeah. the people who actually are living in the quantum realm, they need they need like uh, the the mayor from Jules, you know. Yeah, the, like the the go between. He's like he's like the major domo of mm. Kang, like he's that guy. That yeah. would that could work. That could work. I don't know why I just can't shake this idea of him actually being Modoc, but who knows? I, I'm probably wrong, um, but it's that's what's in my brain. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot else to say, other than yes, yeah, Scott Lang is on the chopping block here. It seems. Um, I, or a variant of him. Or a variant of him. Yeah, I'm really keen for the time timey-wimey shit that's going to be in this movie. More multiverse stuff. Like we're kicking off the multiverse saga proper now. Like this is going to be. Let's get into our overarching story, finally. Um, mm. And that's going to be really juicy and really good to watch. Um, so the stakes are finally going to be starting to get a bit high. Um, so I can't wait to see where it all goes. 
and it looks it looks great. Just not the best trailer, but I'm of course I'm still fucking keen for the movie. That's that's not going to change. Um, Foyer, yeah. How did you feel about this? Um, did you agree with me, or do you you're just like, nah, this just looks this is fine. Uh, no, I agree with the fact that it showed too much. Um, this is the third trailer that they've brought out, yes? Second, I think. Cause Second. F- and if you include the first teaser, that's three. Yeah. Teaser trailer. Was there three? No. I I feel like... Hang on. I'm fact checking. I feel this. like the, it was the teaser trailer, the first trailer, and then this is the second trailer, yes? Um, I... There's a Comic-Con trailer. There was a Comic-Con trailer that was only shown in the room at Hall H, uh, which it which sounds like an amalgamation of this trailer and the previous trailer based on the descriptions. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantum Mania trailer. Um, one, the space between worlds. Two. No, I... There's only two. Okay. Yeah, there's only two. So they haven't... For some reason, I remember there being another one. Well, there was... If there was, maybe, maybe it was part of the um, because you know how they 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 did like a, I feel like there was like a stinger thing that had like a, uh, a compilation of MCU stuff coming out soon that maybe had Ant Man footage in it. Wasn't didn't they do something like that? Mm. Am, am I making that up? Probably making it up. I don't know. Well, whatever. There's, this is either the second or the third trailer. I, <laughs> I don't know if it matters. <laughs> We're just reading too much um, into it. Anyway, sorry, go on. But yeah, no, this this trailer had a lot happening in it. It gave us a lot more story than we really needed to see. Uh, I, I agree in the sense that this isn't the best cut uh, trailer, to be honest. They could have, they could have edited it a lot better where they could have hit a lot of that detail from us until we actually saw the movie. Cause the movie's coming out soon. Very soon. So, <laughs> like you don't need to give us this information now. It's like within a just, month. Let's, let's mm-hmm. just, let's just watch it for ourselves and find out. Um, yeah. it's kind of why I, I don't always watch trailers for movies because half the time it's going to give us more than we need to know. And then once we go in and watch the movie, most of the time we knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Especially the ones that have like multiple trailers. Mm, exactly. And that's the other thing about movie trailers as well. If they bring it out more than one, I tend to try and only keep to one if I can. Um, just to just get it just get a little taste. A little taste, uh, little, little taste, little taste. Little <laughs> uh, and then that's and then that's it, uh, and then I'll just go into the movie, um, you know, with barely any knowledge of what's going to happen. So, yeah, um, I mean, with that aside, it still looks good. It's still going to be it's still going to be really interesting. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot more drama happening in this one now. Scott Lang is not his usual funny, funny man that he has been nope. in previous films. Mm-mm. This one's really, we're getting really serious now. So, um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see see how the, how Paul Rudd pulls this off. I'm sure I'm sure he's going to do a fabulous job. Oh yeah, Scotland. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like things are happening that we don't want happening, and I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried about the outcome of what's going to happen with this movie and what it's setting up for the upcoming films so yeah it's uh it's a tense it's a tense time for us mcu fans <laughs> yes and i love it very stressful times <laughs> well it's ramping but up entertaining for the, yeah it's ramping up for the great incursion yeah sure where, is where universe 813 from Multiverse of Madness? What was it? Yeah, was eight, it 813? 8.45? I can't even remember the number anymore. <laughs> you know. That's, I, <laughs> six, 613? They said we were six. They said we were 616, right? 616, yeah. Yeah, but I, it was 8-something. Yeah, I've actually forgotten now. <laughs> need to yeah, clearly need... yeah, I can't do that meme anymore. You can't do the meme anymore because no. <laughs> I can't remember what the exact year was. <laughs> and I've deliberately forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right, Michael. What did you, you know think when, of this trailer? You know when um, Sue Storm decides. You know, you, you, no, not Sue Storm. Fucking Emily Blunt. There we go. When Emily Blunt deci- decides to take on our universe, because because um, Wanda killed her husband. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. So, yes. So my turn. Sorry. Go. Uh, yes. <laughs> I like the fact that uh, this. Uh, I can see people thinking, "Oh, why is Scott Lang going to side with this person?" Uh, but because um, <laughs> Kang is actually given is going to give, uh, as promised him, like stuff that he wants is time. Because he's lost so so much time, and speaking of the father myself, I have a unique aspect when it comes to f- uh, fatherly duties, and and all throughout this um, th- three movies now of uh, Ant Man, uh, he's been in the jail so many times that he's losing time with his daughter. He lost time because he was trapped in the quantum realm for five years, uh, so. So his his daughter's grown up, so he's lost that time, and yeah, he's he's been offered as like, well, I can give you time with your family, and that it was something that he's been striving for, and uh, and he needs to learn that you need to take time that you have, and not time that you are given. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty hard so and unfortunately this got uh, we don't know what's going to happen at the end but nope he's going to die <laughs> maybe i don't know maybe but but who knows maybe this kang will probably die as well and the cool bit is because there's a plethora of kangs going to replace him so mm-hmm. uh, how do you kill this this person who keeps on coming back but as a different variant. It's going to be very interesting, especially the saga. That yeah. How do, you, 
So that means you need, so they need to band together and actually create a new universe that doesn't have a king in it. And then with this new universe, you can have, you can have your X Men, you can have your everything. Yeah. So I'm thinking we're we're having a big bang sort of thing at the end. Yeah, I think that, I think so. That's my theory of the overarching thing that this universe six one six is going to die and we're going to ha- have a new one. Yeah, I yeah, I kind of yeah, that would be yeah, trippy as hell. Um, and, and, and then you yeah. can replace people, and that's the excuse. Like yeah, that's how we Steve get Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. And <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a reboot within the universe. Oh, that would be very interesting. Um, a friend of mine posed a theory during the week that I found really interesting, but I would I want to get your thoughts on it. Oh, yeah. um, so obviously, for those who do know, um, Kang is a descendant of um, the Richards mm. fam- family. Now, uh, my friend posed this because obviously, you know, Fantastic Four hasn't been established yet, and we're doing Kang before Fantastic Four, even though Fantastic Four is coming in in two years. Um, before uh, Kang Dynasty. Yes, just before Kang Dynasty. Now, yeah. um, my friend's theory was his Kang's actually going to be descended from Tony Stark, and not oh. Nathan- and not Nathaniel Richards because of the significance that obviously Tony Stark has over the MCU there's and an emotion does, yeah. yeah there's an emotional connection there and I personally kind of like I don't think they're going to do it but I kind of like the idea of you know because Kang is our big villain Kang is our Thanos of this fate this saga right so I like the idea of Tony Stark who is the man who's you know you know Earth's best defender he saved the fucking universe really um, so, and mm. gave and gave his life in the process and now here is our next big bad and he's connected to Tony Stark. So I just, I kind of like that yeah. sort of juxtaposition sort of thing that, that they could do. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? That is a very interesting theory and it, do, and it does play that they're actually doing different sort of origins from the comics uh, within, within yeah. this, like, um, as we can see, Modoc. well, that's clearly Yellow Jacket. Just all fucked oh, up. I like that idea more than my Bill Murray theory. Yes. Yeah, because he went, yeah, yeah, I'm going back in the first episode. I fucking actually love that. Like he goes, yeah. he goes. This is the MCU's Vecna. Mm, yeah, he went quantum. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a Modoc. Uh, that's different from the comics. That and blah 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 blah. And mm. yeah, so and of course, uh, uh, um, uh. And the more is a different origin, and it's loosely based. So they, I, I, yeah, I reckon that that is a very interesting theory, and it does tie tie into like the original original with Tony Stark and that. And no doubt they're going to offer um, uh, Ronnie Downey uh, Downey Jr. like billions and billions of dollars just to come back to be you know a hologram. And then he can come back in in Infinity in Infinity War and Secret War and, and and all that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, hmm. Mind you, 
I still have a theory that they're probably setting up Doctor Doom as well. So it could go either way. Okay. If they if they do like um, from the comics or they make that make up their own thing, and also um, uh, dream casting for me is Henry Cavill is uh, Doctor Doom. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Because I like the theory that every DC hero becomes a MCU, a MCU villain. villain. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's 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 good. <laughs> it's very true. So when are we going to be seeing this, Kendall? Yes. In separate Ant- cinemas, maybe. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania will finally be in theatres uh, here in Australia on the 16th of February. Get around it. We are literally a month away, basically. At the time this episode goes up, it'll be a month. So, yes. All right. Second trailer for this week um, is for a, a TV miniseries, but it is a long, long long just as long as history itself we have waited for this it is history of the world part two <laughs> um yeah so we this is our first look it's more of a tease really um i don't know how if we will get another trailer between now and its release i mean it's not it's coming out in a month and a half um but we we'll probably will get another trailer mm. but my goodness <clears throat> yes please i i cannot wait to watch this it looks hysterical. It definitely feels like it's captured the vibe of the first part that came out probably, I think, 40 years ago now. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And I'm so, so glad Mel Brooks is still with us that he was able to do this um, and live to see it. Um, touch all the wood, Kendall. Jesus. It hasn't come out yet. Touch wood. <laughs> um, he's nearly 100. Anyway, um, so, but yes, the... It's just yeah. It just really feels like it's it's they've nailed it uh, in terms of um, being a sequel. Uh, I think it's very interesting that they're doing it's a series instead of a film, um, but I like that that gives it more opportunity to kind of just go lean into the crazy zany ideas uh, and these kind of hilarious you know retellings of of famous people throughout. Uh, humanity's history um, but the cast is where my my attention is because uh, there is a hugely stacked cast on this most similar of course to the original one which also had a stacked cast but this one is just nuts um, in terms of names I recognize I'm going to read them out Zazie Beetz Gillian Bell Quinta Brunson Dove Cameron Darcy Carden Ronnie Cheng Rob Corddry, Danny DeVito, David Duchovny, Hannah Einbinder, Josh Gad, Kamiko Glenn, Jake Johnson, Richard Kine, Johnny Knoxville, Lauren Lapkus, uh, Joe Latruglio, Jason Mansukas, Ken Marino, Jack McBrayer, uh, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, Andrew Reynolds, Emily Ratajkowski, Sam Richardson, Nick Robinson, Seth Rogen, Sarah Silverman, uh, JB Smoove, uh, and Taika Waititi. Um, wow. What a list of hilarious people. I, I don't even know any of these people. <laughs> um, holy crap. Who would have thought when I was watching Ronnie Chang do stand-up in a pub in Melbourne, he'd be in a fucking Mel Brooks production. Um, <laughs> I love I love how the world works sometimes. You should have got his autograph. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, 
I don't have too much more to say other than I just can't wait to watch this. It looks fucking hilarious. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I love, I'm here for, you know, shit like this, really. I just, it's Mel Brooks. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Um, Fulia, uh, what did you make of this trailer? Oh man, I wasn't even sure what I was getting into when I saw this trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, and then when I saw everything that was happening and it, it just got funnier and funnier and I was like, I'm all in on this. I, I actually really want to see this. I also want to go back and watch the first one, to be honest. Um, I, I know that it's obviously going to be, it's, um, it's going to be quite different because of when it was made, but, uh, I feel like it's still going to be just as funny. Um, I think it and so... Up. Sorry? I think it holds up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might. Um, I Look, Mel Brooks is brilliant when it comes to this kind of humor. And, you know, I think my favorite being Robin Hood Men in Tights. For <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> That's, that one was so much fun to watch. Absolutely loved it. So the fact that we're getting you know, something else from him and he's still working, which is amazing. Uh, I, I am really looking forward to watching this. Um, that list of cast is insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait, uh, to see how everybody goes with their performances in this. Uh, it, it's just going to be popcorn entertainment. Like, just leave your brain at the door and just laugh your head off. That's all it's going to be. And I need that in my life. <laughs> There's too much seriousness happening yes. in, this, in this world. So I give me give me all of the comedy that's just going to make me die of hilarity. So <laughs> I'll be happy with that. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Michael, I am so keen to hear your thoughts on this. Hello. Yes. Um, I was, I was, I'm in an ring It's like, oh, please don't screw this up, because <laughs> because essentially, like the best joke of the movie is it's a part one and it will never get a part two. Yeah. Sort of thing. So so um, written up to be you know, to be something like that. But with a stack cast like this and yeah, and pretty funny cast as well. I mean, Johnny Knoxville's in it for some reason, but you know. And it's no doubt all these people have pretty much like touted that Mel Brooks is like part of their sort of um, their their DNA in in their own comedy. I mean, Taika Waititi especially. I mean, you can definitely see like Jojo Rabbit that mm. like be, being sort of like a Mel Brooks sort of thing, uh, uh, like an influence on that because. Uh, you know, Mel, being a Jewish person who uh, who had did service in the first, in the Second World War, uh, you know, his his own battles with Hitler itself, and his own you know fights with Nazis, and and also like the Jewish stereotype of, of everything like that. He does lean towards of make fun of these bastards like all the time, especially in his first movie. And I've got it here on, on VHS, uh, the producers. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. It's classic. Yeah. So, so his first movie was definitely like a huge piss take on, 
on uh, theatre itself, as well as one of the biggest lampoons of like uh, the Nazi regime of springtime for Hitler mm. and making Hitler being a um, uh, a pinko, being being a, a hippie. <laughs> so, so he definitely had his own grux, uh, his own axe to grind with that, and you can sort of see that throughout his entire career, of of uh, just ridiculing the sort of bigotry and hate, and that's all you can, and, and that's the biggest weapon that you can have. Like you can be scared of like these sort of people, but it's better to just laugh in their face on how ridiculous that, that they are, mm. <laughs> and they can't handle that because they thrive on fear and 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 sadness and all, all this crap but i think it's a good time to actually have something like this to come out like especially in this yeah. time where the rise of uh, neo-nazi fascism is getting a bit ripe at this present time and and being in the same year that we're actually getting in the air Jones as well, it's like, you know, maybe it's all right to punch a Nazi every now and again. Damn straight. <laughs> we have in the air Jones punching a Nazi and just, and just Mel Brooks just laughing at Nazis. So, <laughs> uh, I love this time period that we're in. And yeah, <laughs> I'm very looking forward to this because of the stat cast and it looks like they're, they're tackling different, uh, parts of history that needs to be lampooned. Uh, <laughs> having Marco Polo and and uh, and Khan as well, and yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm really looking forward to this. So when is this supposedly going to be on uh, Disney Plus? Well, yes, hopefully. Um, History of the World Part Two. Uh, it's going to be streaming on Hulu in the US uh, from the sixth of March. Um, no confirmation on Australian distribution yet, but my money is on Disney Plus, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon they'd be stupid not to. But I mean, uh, Koala Man was on Hulu, and that was. And that's Disney Plus. Disney yeah. Plus as well. Yeah, yeah. Logic would dictate, so we cross our fingers. Ah, but when it comes to Mel, Mel Brooks, logic is illogical. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. The Inquisition, what a show. The Inquisition, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, <laughs> nice. Nice. And also, at the end of that movie, they they made fun of the sequel for the movie, will have Hitler on ice. And, of course, Jews in space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Jews in space turned into space balls. Space balls, yeah. <laughs> Ah, fantastic stuff. All right. (laughs) With John Hurt reprising his role. Oh, no. Not again. Oh, I fucking love that so much. (laughs) That was was one of my favorite parts. Seriously, it's so good. All right. Uh, We got one more trailer to talk about before we roll on out of here. Uh, And can I just say, this is how you do a teaser trailer. This is how you do. Oh, I have no idea what this movie is. Um, trailer. <laughs> this is the trailer for Bo is Afraid. Um, I uh, My expectations for this movie, I need to lower them because right now they're really, really high. And that's not because of the trailer. It's, oh. because, it's because this movie is directed by Ari Aster, who gave us Hereditary and Midsommar, two 
two of the best horror films of the last 10 years. Um, and so this is his third film and I am just on tender hooks waiting to watch this. Um, and it looks di- di- like very different to his previous two works. It looks more, uh, n- less of a horror film. It kind of might lean into that. It's definitely a psychological thing. Whether it that's says a- surrealist comedy horror. Surrealist comedy horror. Is that the, okay, there we that go. Is- that is a connection. That's <laughs> there we go. Comedy. Interesting. Um yes, but apart from that, I mean you have Joaquin Phoenix in this and you know, you're always gonna be in for a ride with him because he brings it every time. Um and he looks like he's doing exceptionally well uh with the performance in this one. Um and I just I'm just trying to figure out what this movie is about, like, you know, but I liked that the, the trailer kind of said, sort of alluded to the fact that Ari Aster is taking these nightmares from his brain and bringing them to life through this character and this story. That's, that's exciting and also terrifying. Because <laughs> um, it's like, what the hell are you going to be showing us? And just, yeah, obviously very surrealist because we're seeing a lot of, different types of filming techniques used and colors and like, you know, real world versus, oh, that's a set versus, you know, like maybe there's some animation going on here too. Like what's, what is real? It's kind of an un, unreality sort of a film. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it was a really, really fascinating trailer and just, just, yeah, the unsettling, of it just underneath the surface was was nice um and just the way they used the super tramp song like that's a great great Hmm. song um and i i thought it was used perfectly too so um yeah i can't wait i can't wait to watch this it's gonna be good um i'm so curious as to what folia thinks of this trailer because I, i i can tell you now she's not watching the movie um oh. <laughs> but what did, what did you think as someone who you know edits videos edits film and appreciates filmmaking what did what did you take away from this trailer uh if we're looking at it to technical perspective the cinematography did look really cool um the way that they cut together this trailer does keep you in suspense about what's happening because even I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm I'm just like I, I'm very clueless into what this movie's about. So the way that they've cut this together, they've done a very good job, um, and it's an interesting concept of a story. I suppose it's not for me. <laughs> um. Even though there's like, there's nothing really scary about it, to be honest. But it's just, I don't know. I don't really like these kind of like tense type of films. Or that give you the feeling of tension. Um, yeah, I, yeah, definitely not going to be my thing, to be honest. <laughs> but I do appreciate the way it looks okay. and the way it's filmed and all that sort of stuff so yeah cool yeah yeah awesome 
That is pretty much exactly what I thought you were going to say. So that's... <laughs> I, I appreciate it very much. You know me too well. I do know you very well, yes. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, all right, Michael, take us home. What did you think of the trailer for Bo is Afraid? Well, um, it is a I, it is a A24 film. Yeah. Very experimental. And I like the fact that the uh these people that distribute it's like doing like more artsy sort of takes and yeah. yeah they they do tend to either go horror or suspenseful or, or anything like that it's just yeah it's just who who said cinema is dead <laughs> i don't think so i think yeah, nah. and this looks very interesting and in, and the way it's sort of portraying like something that we don't know. It's actually in the mind of of uh, a particular individual that we that that we are seeing the uh, see, seeing through the eyes and how how they look in the world and looks like they're in trouble. It's it's definitely the sort of um it's def- it, it it's I don't know why, but it sort of harkens harkens of Gerald game sort of thing. Like you're in this sort of situation that you have no real control over and you are fighting against your own mind and that's very interesting like to to watch and and to portray on on film as well so it looks very interesting and unfortunately i haven't really watched many uh, uh many a a24 films and i've been meaning to watch hereditary uh, and Midsummer, really, but but definitely hereditary, hereditary because because I've been hearing a lot of good stuff uh, about it, and um, yeah, and it, and yeah, as I said, it looks very interesting, so I can't wait to watch it. So when are we going to be watching this surrealist comedy horror with Nathan Lane? <laughs> yeah, Nathan Lane's in it too. I forgot to mention. That's, yeah, random. Um, Bo is Afraid doesn't have an Australian release date just yet, but in American theatres you can catch it on the 21st of April. Hmm. Hmm. Possibly for four hours. Possibly for four hours? <laughs> yeah. I'm on the wiki at the moment. And, and uh, Oh, is the runtime currently four hours? No, he said, uh, the director actually said in 2020 when... He just finished um, Midsummer. Like his next film will be a four-hour-long nightmare comedy. Oh. Okay. So it's not going to be four hours long. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably be two and a half hours, I'd say. Yeah. Maybe. One hundred and seventy-nine minutes. It says. Oh well, that's three hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, he cut it down. So he he chopped it down. Good. 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 All righty. A little. A little bit more. A little bit, yeah, a little bit more. As long as, <laughs> or, or make the pacing yeah. the sharpest as you possibly can. Um, yes. All right. Rolling on out of Trailer Park because now it's time for mm. a what? moment. Ooh. The segment. Yeah. The section. Ha ha. The time. The place. The. The spot in the show we like to call. Have I got a spot? Do I need to check it? Right. Popcorn culture. Ah, <laughs> uh, you popped my spot. <coughs> and now I'm bleeding. Don't bleed. 
Ouch, damn spot. You're supposed to be a faithful dog, but you're not. <laughs> I'm a dog. Dog. Yeah, it's the Scottish word for dog. Nice. For, for dog. 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 Eh, dog. Nice. Um, okay, it's Falcon Culture time. And uh, yes, of course, we are here to give you guys our thoughts, our review, our discussion on episode three of The Bad Batch, season two, The Solitary Clone. Holy crap. Holy crap. <laughs> I I think it's safe to say this might be the best episode of the whole show so far, mm. like, including season one, um, very possibly, because holy crap. I mean, Mike and I talked last week about how, you know, the storyline was kind of leaning more on the end or adultish sort of side in terms of themes and stuff that they were exploring this episode well <laughs> all right cool high so it's gear. A- high gear so it's andor in animated form now sick i'm here for this i am very much here for this kids kids show kids show no kids show don't <clears throat> don't know her <laughs> no mm. don't know her whatsoever um this was yeah this was phenomenal um really fantastic episode of of this show of star wars content um of television um i loved it um yeah i'm i'm so here for the way that they they are really diving into exploring the fallout of order 66 and the beginning of the empire taking over the galaxy and the you know the fallout of all that and how that affects the separatist movement as well as the clones um and yeah vice admiral rampart is becoming a, a villain that i really like um like he was a bit he was the, he was you know he was good in season one he was a bit snivelly in parts but like pen pusher pen pu- pencil pusher and now he's like oof. bureaucratic bastard yeah now he just gives zero fucks i think it's fantastic um yeah so overall i yeah i absolutely really like this episode quite a bit fulia um before we get too stuck in um you yeah you've obviously caught up what did you think of the first two episodes just as a brief overview i i enjoyed it it was a lot of fun to watch um you know the the fact that we we jump straight into them uh off on a mission and then as soon as they get back from that one they've got another one to get to um you know the the fact that Omega is a little bit older, so time has definitely passed. Uh, and yeah, no, it was um, overall the first two episodes were actually really good. Mm. I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, and what did you think overall of this episode? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I I was floored by this episode. To be honest, um, it was really good. And the the way that they just go in, it's like we don't get the bad batch this time. It's no. just Crosshair. Yeah. And what's he it's up to? Just Crosshair. Yeah, and what he's been up to, and it's it's really interesting. Like, well, I'm sure we'll get we're gonna, we'll definitely get into the details in a minute. But man, the the things that happen in this episode, it, it just 
made me like sit there and think for a moment being like okay this is what's happening all right cool cool <laughs> it's it's definitely like i never thought that i'd actually sit there and think about what these characters are thinking or what their motives are or just where that character's going. I never thought I'd be sitting there doing that, watching this show. And here I am doing that <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> so it was um it was very intriguing for me. I I just I couldn't stop like I couldn't look away for a second because I I felt like if I did I'd miss something. Um so I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Michael, your, your overall kind of reactions to this. My God. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did jokingly say that, uh, when Endor finished is like, has this ruined Star Wars forever? Like everything is going to be, um, n- not up to this power of sort of, uh, like moral quandaries within characters and where the world is at this present at this present time and yeah i think i think it's up there as well with with what's been going on i mean when like star wars now is sort of in a different era that we're not looking forward to like oh the next movie the next trilogy of movies we're Mm. actually it we're it's turning a new leaf of what the uh, what these particular shows are going to be, and yeah, and like with the other ones, like uh, uh, like the Jude Law one that I can't remember, but but what's that going to be, and and like Rogue Squadron, will that be will that be sort sort of what it is, and and what will um, Mandalorian be, like. Mm. I'm 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 not concerned. I'm actually more intrigued of what Star Wars is like as a whole going to turn into because Andor was great, but it wasn't on everyone's sort of radar of actually like going nope. to enjoy to watch uh, because it it was like um, like Rogue One was definitely. Uh, an outlier because people were concerned it's like well it's a movie but it's it's a star wars movie but it's different it's more experimental and people like really enjoyed it (laughs) i mean yeah especially with the with the darth vader like corridor scene it's like yeah that's what we want but but it definitely took took it to a different place and and the way things are going I, i i think I think all the production houses uh, within, like the branch of Star Wars, is definitely with Dave Filoni and 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 the guys are uh, doing Endor and maybe the other movies as well. So are sitting down and actually talking to each other. It's like, okay, can we not? We're not going to trade on each other's toes, but this is the sort of feeling that we have, and you can definitely sort of see there are like a connection between the sort of storytelling that they're trying to do. It's going to be more to do with character base and not necessarily like oh spectacle and not all this sort of stuff. Like all the member berries that we have is like yeah, clearly that's a tonk that's a tonk droid from Star Wars Four and and, and all that crap. <laughs> it's 
it's it's definitely dealing with something that's what Star Wars was supposed to be, like an allegory for war and how and how, and a way more political than it was. I mean, there, there was there is an infinite uh, there there is a a weird tr- tweet that was doing the rounds like um, like ages ago. It's like, can we not have political stuff in Star Wars? And then I can't remember who it was. I think it was probably Ryan Johnson or something. Right? Well, no, no. I think it was actually the Star Wars Twitter. It says, well, it's called Star Wars. How is war <laughs> not political or yeah. anything like that? And mm-hmm. and this is harking back of what what Star Wars was like like um like with the like star wars uh the return of the jedi uh a lot of people thought oh it's a bit weird that the entire empire was was taken down by a bunch of ewoks i mean it was that sort of joke along the lines but of course and and, but of course george in his wise wisdom said well i always saw that that was uh the vietnam war and the Viet Cong, how essentially a lot of like the people in there and farmers with basically guerrilla tactics took down the American government basically. Mm-hmm. And there's like, no, it's a tie. And there's like, no, they sort of kicked your ass. <laughs> and so they were the Ewoks, and it's like, yeah, it's it's an allegory of what what America was doing as especially with like uh what uh war was doing with america and and with this one with this uh, this particular episode i'm going back to i'm going back to what we're actually talking <laughs> about but in this particular episode it's definitely harking to what do we do with veterans i mean sure yeah. they, they played their role but what do we do after the war is over well technically mm-hmm. over and what did they do? It's like, oh, we can just replace them. Especially at the ending of the previous episode where, oh, you're just a clone. I'm just going to shoot you. And no one will know because you're a clone. It, it's that sort of take. And I love the fact that uh, Crosshair's character is very... It's it's, it's very adult, this, <laughs> this show. Because considering what Crosshairs has sort of done and is striving to be like a good soldier, ne- like I can't remember what the line is. Always follows orders. That's what. Yeah, good it, soldiers it, follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders, and that's his mantra, even though he doesn't have the uh, doesn't have the chip, and that's the sort of character that he is, and he's always striving forward. But, <laughs> and and they say it, uh, and and sorry to harken to the ending of it but no no it's okay that all these characters that are around him are being affected by him <laughs> that they're all they're all yeah. seeing their ways especially cody who yeah was essentially the first one to uh, uh cody is the one that that basically led the attack on obi-wan yeah so and he's sort of yeah it's it's really cool. And yeah, then, it is. And I'll stop talking now. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good. Um, yeah, well, basically, I mean, the overall premise of this is that, um, you know, the Empire is always expanding their reach and their rule over the galaxy, and they've touched down on this um, 
separatist world called uh, Desix, um, and their their leader, Governor Ames, is like, yeah, nah, I'm not, nah, this is, we're not part of the Republic. Like, you know, they were separatists for a reason. They chose not to be a part of the Republic, so they therefore do not recognize the Empire um, and will not be, you know, ruled by anyone other than themselves. So they are basically like, we're going to take you hostage um, and they bring out all of these uh, the droids um, the like the, the Trade Federation droids um, from the prequels and, and all of those come back and I, that was that was nice. I, I like I liked that. I like seeing them again. Uh, as much of a butt of a joke that they are, but you know, so are storm, so so, so are stormtroopers, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so basically, then Rampart tells Crosshair, you know, uh, you're not going to lead. I, I like I like that twist. Just can I say quickly the fact that you know Crosshair's assuming he's going to get to lead a group to go and and uh, rescue the governor, um, the the Empire's governor, um, but then. Rampart's just like, nah, <laughs> you're you're not leading shit. Um, <laughs> so hmm. I like I kind of like that twist as well. And yeah, so basically he gets uh, posted to yeah under Commander Cody, and then they get dispatched to to Desix to uh, bring back the um bring back the the governor uh, whose name is Grotten I believe um, Governor Grotten. Um, and I have to also say I really enjoyed um, the kind of reference as well to episode one with like uh rampart talking about how they're being sent under the guise of uh diplomatic solution and it just really made me think of obi-wan and qui-gon being sent to negotiate with the trade federation yeah well the negotiations were short the negotiations never took place um yeah pretty much so we're seeing seeing a nice parallel there that i really enjoyed i mean it looks nice on paperwork Mm. But the real nitty gritty of it is basically bloodshed. It is. It is, and there will never be peace. And yeah, yeah. and basically it's, what? It's kind of like a regime change when America goes into a different country. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's very exactly. It's very. Um... Wait, is America the bad guy? Oh, I don't know. Are they? Uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's basically the, the, the premise, and uh, and then, you know, we get uh, some fantastic action sequences, and um, yeah, and it's just all very depressing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Fulia, what did you think about seeing, like, you know, the references to the, to the prequels and, like, seeing the droids again and, like, just the, just the setup of the episode? Um... I think it was um, it was really it was done really well. Um, I I feel like yeah the fact that <laughs> that Crosshair was not given the role of commander this time around was interesting because mm. they were like now nah, after what's happened in the previous times kind of don't trust you at the moment so you're not going to be the leader. <laughs> no. Last time, last time we gave you something to, to control, we lost an entire fleet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're being very cautious of Crosshair, let's just say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very cautious. Um, and 
it's interesting because he's crosshair continues to really intrigue me because the way that he thinks the way that he speaks um he's all like now that the inhibitor chip is no longer in his head he still feels like he needs to follow the empire and and be a good soldier about it all yeah and it's it's interesting because he it's like he doesn't want to have his own opinion or thoughts he just wants to do his job yeah which is which is really interesting uh compared to the bad batch that have their own opinion who want to live their own lives who don't want to be ordered around um it's it's just and the fact that because crosshair is one of the because the bad batch is essentially defective um clones crosshair is one of them and yet he feels like he isn't if that makes sense yeah just the, in the way in the way that he behaves yeah yeah. yeah, he's quite fascinating in in the sense that he's he's not a reg like no. the majority of the clones, but yet he's staying in line much more than you would think he would. Um, yeah, because you know we get allusions to not just obviously Clone Force ninety nine defecting, but other clones, um, regs defecting, and we we saw that in season one, um, and we see it at the end of this episode. So. Um, yeah, it's just, even, like, and I kind of just like the way this episode goes into, um, Crosshair in terms of, like, having this, we, sh- we see the way he's living. Yeah. And he's, he's very isolated, he's alone, he has no friends, really, of any kind, like, you know, he goes and sit down next to those clones that are talking about, you know, the fact that all the conscripted ones, the stormtroopers are, you know, coming in and they're going to be you know, tossed aside at some point, um, and they move away from him. They want nothing to do with him. And that's, even though he's he's still following the rules and do, like doing the same thing that they're doing, he'll never be viewed as a reg. He's not a reg. It's He's never going to fit in. Not that he wants to fit in, but it's just so interesting that we... Like, they're kind of showing it bothering him, but not really. Because like, he's like, well, I'm just going to do the job that I'm supposed to do. Good soldiers follow orders. Um, yeah. And it's the way he was programmed. And it's just... He's trying to not let it get to him, essentially. Yeah, yeah. but he, yeah. And then he's like, he's yeah, he's not letting it affect his work. The fact that, no. you know, his, his life is clearly not ideal. Um, you know, and the fact that he says, like, that he was stranded for 32 rotations. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's messed up. Um, but it's crosshair, so, I mean, he just grins and bears it, I think. Um, but, yeah, mm. I'm loving what they're doing in terms of exploring his character. And, like, this is a great starting point to be like, okay, is he... Like, because the one thing I, I think I said that I wanted to see going into this was a redemption for him. Or, like, a, you know, a change and a character growth of, like, maybe he comes around... But I like the fact that so far they're leaning more into mm. him him being part of the Empire. Um, yeah. And it's it's 
so far they're doing an incredible job with it. Um, yeah. I, f- I feel like from what we saw in today's episode, today's ep- it's a from, from this episode, mm. I feel like we're not going to see that maybe until the end of the season or maybe we won't see it at all. Like that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's what I'm getting from Crosshair. The fact that he's, I don't think he's going to change. I think this is just the way he is. Yeah. Cause it, I, I feel like he's going to have to go through, like if he's going to change at all, he would have to go through something a lot deeper than what we saw from him in this episode. Yeah. Cause obviously we see someone like Cody who, you know, I think he even says good soldiers follow orders at one point in this episode. Like, you know, he's, you know, at the start we see him like he's, yep, I'm going to do this thing. And then similar to Wilco in episode two, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Like I, I recognize that this is wrong, but so I, so I'm just waiting for maybe later in the season. Yeah. They might do, they might give Crosshair some more emotional stakes somehow I maybe I mean but I don't but then I'm like how do they do that because his mm. only emotional connection that you could really exploit would be with Clone Force 99 the Bad Batch themselves but we can clearly see he doesn't give a shit about them no there's no bond that bond has been severed um because of the way he is programmed to follow the rules so it's yeah so I, I would not be so like as much as I would like it I love a good redemption story but I I I feel like he might be elusive of that and might stay with the Empire. I don't know. but mm. Or maybe he'll kill Rampart and go off and do his own thing. Maybe he won't join either side. Maybe he'll just... He'll do his own thing. Um, because yeah, we'll, he'll get we'll soon find out. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. Mm. Mike, Michael, do you have any anything to add on, on any of that? It feels like um, he's probably going to either mentally snap and, yeah, do his own thing. It's like he's... Uh, because, because the only people who know that the um, <clears throat> that uh, ninety nine still them still out there is him and Rampart. So either um, either they'll go down that that route of it's like well they're still alive and you need to work work with me or else you get the chopping block because. It maybe in this season we're going to see like clones more phased out because we get to see it in the first season where where they're stopping production, so Mm -hmm. they're just going to just going to stop them and and they're introducing like um, whoever wants to be part of the empire, you you get credits and and all that, so appetizing. So there's going to be a, a hierarchy there, and I. I don't know, maybe Crosshair is going to be the last clone to be part of that and he, and he doesn't get to decide either to defect or to um, be phased out, as in die. So, so and I don't know. It, it, it's definitely going to be a very interesting story to tell because I don't know which way it's going to go. It's, it's either he'll defect and be by himself or he's just going to die a good soldier. Um, you know, I, I kind of was just thinking, I feel like this is the storyline with the clones that they should have done in the sequel trilogy with Finn 
um, and I've forgotten her name, ja- Jana. Is it Jana? I think the name of the 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 uh, the other ex stormtrooper. Yeah. I think that was her name. But like, because they they could have gone into that if they yeah. actually put some thought into their movies um, about you know you know because we'd never seen a stormtrooper defect and they kind of you know you know obviously we got a lot of that in the first you know in force awakens um and then it gets touched on again in um what's it called rise of skywalker um so but what they're doing here in the bad batch and what i have i think they did i haven't seen all of clone wars but i know they have obviously touched on this stuff in clone wars too but um about you know just these you know these soldiers that work for for evil essentially, and they are defecting, and that we're exploring the reasons for those defections. Um, and I think, yeah, it would have been great to see what they could have done in a live action sense with the with the stormtroopers yeah. of the first order. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe it was just too much uh, too much time. Yeah, I, it's no, definitely yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely something better explored in a series. So I, that's I, it's good that they're they have the opportunity to do that with the Bad Batch um, yeah. here as well. Um, God, I don't even really know where to go from here, to be honest. Because there's, there's, it's mostly like this, the story and then there's action and then there's more story and then we leave. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I liked the action, though, I will say. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was really good and, you know, not just to see the, the, those funny droids and hear them say, Roger, Roger again. Um, you know, to see the the, the droid Dakars come back out, and uh, and I like that that shot of one of them getting destroyed by having a droid fall through its shield. Um, I thought <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, and then these like insane commando style droids that were just giving Crosshair and Cody what for in that stairwell. Mm. Um, that was that was pretty intense, um, but I really liked it and especially enjoyed uh, getting to see Crosshair actually use some of his sniping abilities and those reflector discs that he threw around and, and used. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was really really well done. Um, Fulia, what did you think of the all the action sequences in this episode? Oh, all the action was really cool. Um... I really loved seeing the battle droids back again. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they, they're usually a highlight with their little cute dumbness. Yes. When they speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had a little bit more, um, I mean, they weren't as aggressive, they weren't aggressive, but like, they're not, they weren't their usual stupid self as they were in the usual like Clone Wars and stuff. No, not fully, yeah. No. Um, but, uh, just in the, like, seeing the rest of the, um, the rest of the action sequences happen, it was, it was actually really fun to watch. Um, I agree with the going up the tower and with the, um, with Crosshair and his sniper shots with those reflector discs and I'm, I'm just thinking, holy crap, that's, that's insane how... He, that's probably why he was given that nickname. Uh, <laughs> um, it's um, apart from the fact that he's got the little thing on his eye. Um, yeah, no, it was like 
all of the action was really good. I like, and I was kind of hoping that the dr- the battle droids would kind of win in a way, because <laughs> you because they were all there helping to to stop them from being taken over. So, um, yeah, no, it was. It was it was fun to watch. It was very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Mike, yeah. Michael, any thoughts on the action stuff? Yeah, war was murky. Who do you choose? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. as your protagonist <laughs> and antagonist. Yeah, and just just had a thought that the only way to uh, take out crosshairs is make him blind. So mm. maybe that's going to be a thing. Where if he if he loses an eye, he needs to be phased out it's like no i'm still a soldier it's like no Mm. that's a really good idea a way to kind of uh humble him maybe yeah as well he only has one eye and he needs to learn how to shoot with one eye Mm. and that spawns how they can't shoot straight because 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 it's one eye <laughs> why but they enjoyable? Yeah, why they bump into hallways, doors, tunk. I'm so glad that they actually, uh, for the newer versions, they actually added a bonk sound. I know. I, 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 I yeah, I would lose my shit though if someone edited McClunky over the bonk. Though that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> bonk McClunky. 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 Oh dear. Um, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I just want to say uh, R.I.P. Governor Ames because I really liked her. Um, I thought mm, she. Was, yeah. I thought she was badass. Um, so I'm very, very disappointed that uh, she didn't live past the runtime of this episode. Um, but her death scene was a highlight. Um, mm the big turning point of the episode. So, uh, you know, Cody and Cody and, uh, Crosshair get up the stairs and they, they manage to, um, save, uh, Grotten from being, um, you know, a hostage. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then Grotten is like, you know, even though they made a deal, they make a deal to like, right. Cause like, um, Ames is like talking about how, there were deals made in the past that were not honored and, and blah, blah, blah. And all she wants is peace and stuff. And Cody's like a good guy. So he's like, all right, let's put our weapons down. And then, yeah, I think does Crosshair, do we actually see Crosshair putting his gun down? No, no. He lowered, he lowered his gun, but he didn't he put, didn't it, down put it down. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Cody they deliberately not put him in shot as often. Yeah. 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 I thought so. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. So Cody puts his, his gun down and then, you know, they get the, um, they get Grotten um, free, and then immediately he's like, "Kill her!" What do you mean? Of course, kill her. She's, you know, she's a, an enemy of the Empire. Like, you know, she, she's committed high treason or whatever. Um, and I knew. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably did too, but I saw this coming from a mile away that Crosshair was going to take the shot. Um, it was very obvious that they'd set it up that way. I think. And not in a bad way. I'm not saying it's obvious in a bad way because it was still executed really well, um, you know. And just to hear Ames before she died being like so much for peace, yeah, you know, that was heartbreaking. Um, you know, for her to realize, okay, I'm gonna die. Awesome. 
Um, and then for Cody to not, not like Cody didn't follow the order. Like he didn't, like, I mean, he didn't obviously say, no, I won't do it. Like Wilco did last week. He was this time. He's just like, he just didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. And then Crosshair, mm. Crosshair takes her out. And it was just, yeah, it was powerful stuff. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. It was probably the, that and the, 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 like one of the, like the final scene with Cody and Crosshair talking was, they were probably the two highlights of yeah. the, uh, the whole episode. Um, yeah. Fulia, how did you feel about this? The way this climax kind of played out? Oh, uh, look, I, I was also expecting it to happen, uh, the same way you did. Um, I was still shocked when it happened. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it also cemented my my feelings of the fact that Crosshair is not going to change. Yeah, that's if you know he's he's gonna follow orders until he dies. Essentially, that's that's how he has decided. Or incapacitated by having one eye. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it just. Yeah, it, it, it just cemented that fact for me. So I I was hoping that it would be, you know, peaceful and there wouldn't be, like, anyone dying in that scene. But I was like, she's not getting out alive, uh, especially if Grotten had his way. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I even though it wasn't Cody who did it, it was definitely going to be crosshair. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a very powerful scene. Um, and sort of rounding it off with their conversation when they're back at the base, that was also very, very interesting to, to witness the fact that Cody was having second thoughts about the empire. Yeah. And I just love the fact that it took place. Like that was a memorial wall that they were standing mm. in front of at the start of the episode. And then again, at the end, I just like, kind of liked the symbolism of that. And then the way Cody's just like, uh, you know, we make our own decisions, our own choices, and we have to live with them as well. Um, yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's very self-aware of, where he is, what his role is, and that it's wrong. Um, mm. And it's just, yeah, it's so fascinating because, like, you know, you go back to fucking Attack of the Clones and you and, you know, fucking you and McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been told that they are programmed to follow orders. They will follow orders. They are obedient. They are bred to be obedient. You won't have any problems. Like, and then Order 66 happens and obviously they follow those orders, but then they start, they all start to defect. And it's like, yeah, it's so fascinating. It's I like love the way they do it. It's like their morality kicks in yeah. in some way. Yeah. 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 It's and especially with you, we've talked about it already, but the whole like you know the the clones being phased out, like especially with that looming over them, that's that's only going to weigh down on all of them more and give them more reason to you know defect. I think. See, mm. this is what happens when you don't pay for lifetime guarantee. So if they <laughs> paid their insurance to Caminos. Then the chip would have worked. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get that extra care, don't you, Fulia? <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, Michael, do you have any any other thoughts on the ending of this episode and the, these these two very important scenes? I think this was the real kick in the guts. That um, 
like showed what what uh, clones being what they are and who they are. It's like and like sure they're better than than uh, they're better than droids, but there is a caveat that, as Cody said, you have to live with your own morality, and that's I reckon that sort of did shake crosshairs only a little bit because you can definitely see see like something is something is there but it may but it may take something horrific yeah well especially i think you kind of maybe get a glimpse of it when he's having that final meeting with rampart Mm. um and rampart's very nonchalantly just talking about how you know all these clones are going missing or whatever you know they're they're sort of leaving uh, around you so there's definitely is some something like maybe it's not going to be his his own uh choice in the matter of <laughs> of him leaving it's probably, yeah. probably going to say it's that too pro- yeah yeah something yeah i like that idea yeah god so many good theories guys well done i love this mm-hmm. this is great this is great yeah. remember it's a kid show yeah it's totally a kid show but, nothing, it doesn't have to be something to do with morality or anything like that. It's supposed <laughs> to be going pew pew, fun. Pew, pew. Ha, ha. <laughs> roger, roger. Um, pachoo, pachoo, gotcha. I will say, I will say, at least the one positive this episode presented us was the fact that uh, Cody has, you know, come to the good side. I suppose. Um, hope, well, at least he's made the steps towards, um, you know maybe joining up with Rex or um, <laughs> or even the Bad Batch. I don't know. But, yeah, that that was that was good. I'm really glad we got to see that as well. Or oh, that, oh, that farmer guy that married a Twi'lek. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't... Just... Yeah, that was a good episode. Back, yeah. back a while ago. It, um, it, was like, it, it was like the first Defector. Yes, that's true. I reckon. One of the early, one of the early ones, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. Um, cool. Well, I don't really have anything else to say um, apart from yeah, this was a fucking incredible episode of television. So yeah, yeah. You guys have any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No. All good. All ready good. For, yeah. Ready for just... the Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a great episode, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, hats off to the team. Oh, yeah. They yeah. did a great job. Dave Filoni. Fucking yeah. crushing it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, everyone that worked on this. And can I just also say, the the when at the beginning of this whole popcorn culture segment where Michael did mention about where Star Wars is going since Andor mm-hmm. and the fact that we'd have to compare. We don't have to compare. I, I think it's just from Andor onward, it's just getting better. Yeah, like start the Star Wars stories are getting so much better and more interesting, and they're getting more fans out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said I said something recently, um, uh, and that was you know, 2022 I think was supposed to be like the the thing we were anticipating the most was Obi Wan. Obi Wan Kenobi was supposed to be the like it right. And then turns out it was Andor. And now we want more of Andor. We want more of that style of Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, I think it's, I think it's fantastic that that's happened. Uh, I, I hate that it's come at the cost of 
fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, not, 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 <laughs> not being the show we all wanted it to be. Although there, there's, you know, I'm still very happy it exists, I should say. Mm. Yeah, you can um, appreciate the Obi-Wan Kenobi yes. and it's sort of um, single, single as story of what you can have. Uh, but I do appreciate, like, you can get a lot more stories out of it. 100%. Yeah, this is the kind of Star Wars storytelling that they need to do now, you know. Yes. And, and the fact that they've started doing it is, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah. I love the era we are living in. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. <laughs> the it's second just... golden age of television. Literally, it is. It literally is. <laughs> it's just, oh, how lucky are we? Hopefully, this is what I'm, I'm hoping Secret Invasion will be kind of in this kind of sort of vein of like you know hopefully high po- high political intrigue espionage shit yeah um you know <laughs> give it give us that the mccarthyism is yeah. running rampant anyway. yeah it's gonna be good all right that'll do it guys that'll do it um those are our thoughts on episode three of the bad batch uh season two the solitary clone uh, can't wait to see where this is going. It's so good. All right. Um, yeah, that's the show. We're done. Yes. We're out of here. That's it. Mm. No more show to show. Um, so a one, a two, a three. And, and that, that was, was a podcast, podcast called, called Fred. Fred. Yes, remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest Fred content. If you'd like to listen to Freddie Alien, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and maybe soon to be Podbean. If you'd like to watch Fred the Alien, you can head over to youtube.com forward slash Fred the Alien Productions. And if you're watching us right now, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell icon to be notified of future content and other live streams. And speaking of live streams, head over to twitch.tv forward slash Fred the Alien Twitch. Make sure to follow us over there whenever we go live for all of the awesomeness here at Fred the Alien Productions. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I've been a Kendall Richardson. I've been a Fulia Kantar Maju. And I'm ready, set, go for the Bachelor. I'm on for this one. And, and you, you just, just experienced, experienced a podcast called Red. Remember to eat beef. <laughs> Freddy lives, Loki dies, the doctor is in, and good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. Ladies, gators. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. See ya. And... And... See... See...